Match day 32 of the Turkish Super League proved to be both very exciting and highly controversial. That means a lot of heated debate in today's episode of Football a la Turca. Thank you for downloading and enjoy the show. Due to popular demand, we are joined once again by Pat Cox. Uh, Pat, thank you for joining us. And of course, as our Dean Jerry, we wouldn't have this uh, this this almost celebration of Galatasaray's title without you, of course. Um, but uh, <laughs> welcome, both of you. And uh, unfortunately, Brooke uh, isn't here with us. He's on holiday again. He seems to be doing that a lot. Uh, he has a lot of holidays to spend, doesn't he? And uh, Umut uh, isn't here either because he was having a, a blue screen of death on his computer, unfortunately. But uh, Pat, thank you for joining us. And Uzer, of Thanks course. So um, let's talk some football. This is episode 13 of Football a la Turca, and uh, I'm Kam Bayezid, of course. We're going to be talking about match day 32 results in the Turkish Super League, and there's uh, quite a little bit of development again, uh, both at the top and at the bottom. Um, we'll, I'll get this out of the way quickly. We have our first relegation, official relegation. We already uh, alluded to it last week that that would probably happen this week. Uh, Akisar are the unlucky ones that will definitely be dropping down. And of course, later this, this week, they still have the cup final uh, to contest for with Galatasaray. So it's kind of uh, funny to, to see that uh, our cup finalists are... 100% guaranteed in the second division uh, next season, but they may also be in the Europa League, uh, depending on the result of that uh, cup final. But we'll get to their match a little bit later. We'll start on Friday with the Antalya Spor Bursa Spor match. This is also a very important match in regards to that relegation dogfight because Bursa Spor still very much in the thick of things together with Gustepe and Erzurum Spor. And wouldn't you know it, Bursa Spor pull out the rabbit out of their head and get a win away at well, now 7th placed Antalya Spor, but uh, until recently 5th placed Antalya Spor, who have now back-to-back losses against relegation candidates, if I'm not mistaken. They lost last week against Gustepe, I believe. Uh, but uh, now they lose at home to Bursa Spor. The only goal in this match coming in the 16th minute through former Galatasaray central defender Aurelien Sheju. Um, there, there was also a red card for Adi Sissoko. He got uh, double yellows, actually, in the 57th and in the 71st minute. Um, gonna throw to you first, Pat. Very uninspired performance by Antalya Spor, who still have everything to play for with that cup final later this week. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting result for sure. Um, I didn't expect Borussia Spor to get uh, one point, let alone three. Um, so quite a surprising result in my eyes. Lots of talk on social media I've seen just about the. Uh, circumstances of the match to some extent because having looked at the highlights it, it didn't look like Antalya turned up at all really um, and obviously this uh, recalls to memory on Spore's loss in inverted commas to uh, Borussia Spor a few seasons ago yeah, to, to seasons send their ago. rivals Rizespor down mm-hmm. you know has, has something similar happened again like a, a gentleman's agreement or is it just that you know Borussia Spor had the more fight to stay up I don't know 
I don't know if you can really speak of a gentleman's agreement <laughs> in that yeah. sort of circumstance when there's a third team that really gets uh, uh, screwed in the process, really. Um, and, and I remember that match because Trabzonspor went up uh, in that game. And then after they scored, it's like, oh, we did our job now, like with one third of the match played. And then they just, it, it looked like they just completely well, bend over, lay down, however you want to put it. I don't know yeah. if you recall that match, Ozer. Do you remember those circumstances two seasons ago? Yeah, the uh, it does. I do have a hazy memory of that uh, incident that you guys are referring to. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I was surprised that um, Borussia won the game, seeing just only the result. I didn't watch the match live, uh, but then when I went to watch the highlights, I did kind of see a bit of a reluctance. Not reluctant, but let's say hesitant performance from Montalia, um, which didn't really make sense. Shedu scored what I thought was a pretty good header, but didn't really celebrate much, uh, which which was kind of curious. But um, I mean, look, if you don't, if you if you if you ignore the context, for sure, Borussia deserved to win this game. They played much better than Antalya. They got the just the one goal from Shedu, but they had misses from Aitach, from Umut. Um, so, I mean, and, you know, the, the net was really on the line in this game. So, you know, on balance, you can understand how Borussia were able to come away from this, uh, from this when you look at the highlights. Yeah. And, and, the, and, and the, the, the reason why there's a lot of uh, suspect here, uh, because on this podcast, we don't really want to go into the conspiracy theories too much and stuff like that. But, at, you know, in certain circumstances, it's difficult to avoid, especially in, in, in this, these kinds of circumstances where you have uh, betting odds that go dramatically down before the match where the, the odds on Bursa Sport, the away team, that are struggling and are fighting relegation against a team that are fighting for fifth place that have had in all, you know, for all intents and purposes, a good season are still competing for a European ticket. And you see that Bursa Spore, the favor, the, yeah, the odds are dramatically in Bursa Spore's favor in this match. Bursa Spore have struggled to score in weeks, have struggled to win in weeks. And, and that's the, time of the type of things, those types of things uh, let alarm bells go off. And if you then go and watch the match and you see the... the, the the inputs, the, the dedication from the Antalya Sport players, or rather the lack thereof, those alarm bells only start sounding louder and louder. And then, of course, you know, the memories of two seasons ago, what happened against Trabzonspor on the final match day that sealed Rizespor's uh, fate that season. Um, it makes it a little difficult to not have second thoughts about this match. Uh, obviously, if you just look purely at the game and you don't really pay attention to all those outside factors and you don't keep in mind all the things I just said, then you would think, oh, well, Bursa Sport deserved that win. But it's very suspect that Antalya Sport seemed to willingly be led to the slaughter banks, so to speak. Uh, very di weird to understand for a team that still have everything to... Did you guys hear that? Yeah, I did, yeah. Fuck fly. Is <laughs> yeah. that what it was? You're kidding. It was a fucking fly, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I was really curious as to what the fuck was just happening there. That yeah, was a fly, yeah, no, no. So I tried to swat it away. Uh, okay. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's difficult to say. Um, they're still in a tight spot, of course. Next week's going to be the all-deciding match, I believe. Uh, Bursa Spore against Gustepe. Um... 
I mean, whoever wins that match is likely gonna stay up if there's gonna be a winner. That's a match that obviously you can't fix. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Neither team is gonna w be willing to take a, you know, take that, uh, that, that, that that payday, that easy payday, so to speak, to go down to the next league. Uh, so yeah, no, next week's gonna be super interesting. But uh, yeah, this one kind of frowning my my eyebrow here, and I, I you know, I, I just implore people who haven't watched it, uh, maybe. Go and at least watch the highlights, um, and, and and you know those 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 betting odds dropping. That stuff that happens, and usually those are indicators of games being fixed because that usually means that there's people who have uh, preconceived uh, knowledge of uh, of what's gonna go down. Well, you know the the real the moral of this story is that we should keep an eye on the uh, the dropping odds in matches before matches and put money on it. <laughs> so yeah. usually what it means is that there's a, a ridiculous amount of money being placed yeah, on the yeah, match yeah. Exactly. usually from Asia or something so then the odds go down That's because right. then the betting uh, companies notice that there's something going on there so it's very very suspicious um, but let's move on to Saturday this is probably going to be the biggest talking point of the match day is going to be the Chaiko resist poor Galatasaray match for multiple reasons uh, one Extremely unfortunate reason, and that's Emre Agbaba. Emre Agbaba has going to be out for at least a year, is what I'm hearing right now. He had a double leg break in this match. Very unfortunate incident. The Galatasaray player, of course, only just returned from injury not too long ago. Uh, and he had already been out for five or five months, I think, um, after, what was it, a, a hamstring injury that he suffered? Ozer, do you remember? Uh, yeah, it, it was just around October time. I, I can't quite remember the precise injury, but uh, it uh, it's 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 so sad that we have to start um, mm -hmm. with this kind of tragic tragic incident because, as you say, he could be out for one year. He could be out for longer than that. Yeah, it, it, and having already spent several months out is it's a real real blow to his to his career. Um, Emre is one of my favorite players in the team. Certainly my favorite Turkish player in the team. <laughs> um, could, it, is that a joke? <laughs> oh, I'm, no, I'm serious. I'm no, serious. no, no, no. I, I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I thought maybe you meant it as a joke because there's like just oh. the one, you know? Well, no, I mean, there's still trick, there's, you know, there's, there are other yeah. players in the team, but, but, yeah, but no. you know. Play, um, who play. Over, even, over, even recent times, he's my favorite Turkish yeah, player. Yeah, that I we get signed it, yeah, because definitely. He's, he's, uh, he's, a nice, he's generally a nice guy, and he's one of those who's had the dream of boyhood dream of playing for Galatasaray and he, he finally reached that percent all the time exactly exactly he, he's never involved in any controversy off the pitch on the pitch etc so for this to have happened to him back in October just before the Porto Champions League match um, um, yeah. having played so well against Lokomotiv Moscow I, I really thought this guy this guy is the dynamo of our midfield this is the guy who's going to send Belhanda to the bench etc etc and it's such a shame that his, his season has turned out like this I really really wish him the best yeah, Best of luck to recovery. That, that brace for Turkey as well, of course. And of course, he was, yeah. He was right. really hot at that time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hit the ground running with his career at Galtra. I think he scored on his debut as well and stuff like that. And, and then for something like this to happen. So oh, um, it's, it's really sad. we're going to get back to it in a little bit. Let's quickly dig into the match proceedings first. Sure. So Sufyan sure. here first getting the scoring started after just nine minutes. Put Galtra ahead. Uh, but Vedat Muric, the unavoidable Vedat Muric, he just keeps oh. scoring. He can't stop. He equalizes just before halftime. Um, then it's Aminu Umar who puts the hosts in the lead just a couple of minutes after 
um, them seeing a red card for um, Brian Samudio, I think that was in the 72nd minute yeah. during Emra's uh, injury. Uh, but then Mbaya Diagne gets the equalizer from the penalty spot in the second minute of at a time, and then he gets the winner. I believe it was the sixth minute of at a time on the Sofian Figuli assist there from with a, with a very good header from uh, from Mbaya Diagne. And Diagne also missed a penalty in the 38th minute. Um, that was awarded following a fall during a corner, but some controversy there, which may cause the match to be replayed uh, if Rizespor appeal. I think they did appeal, so th- th- this match actually might have to be replayed. We'll have to wait and see what the decision uh, that, that I, is. I, 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 that would be an absolute calamity if the game is replayed for, for that decision. I mean, that would be a real disgrace for Turkish football. Hmm. It, in the same way that we're observing other disgraceful decisions made in Turkish society, that would be a real. <laughs> well, be given, really g- given and the I, way. And I would advise the TFF to do that because given, they have the well, of 25 million fans behind them. Well, first, them, right? let's uh, point out that there were three really big decisions two penalties and one red card, all in favor of Galatasaray, all against Rizespor, I would say. I think all three of them were wrong. So I would understand Rizespor appealing and. I don't think that well, karma-wise it would be unjust because clearly Rizespor were dealt a bad hand in this match. I mean, let's first look at the the first penalty that was that well fall- the penalty. Okay, okay, no, go, go on. No, go, no, go ahead. First. Well, I was going to say that um, the referee. Okay, you 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 can point to a couple of decisions that certainly went my way, and, I, and I'm not disagreeing with that point point of that. But uh, firstly, that the referee should have allowed the pe- penalty to be retaken, the one that Jagne missed. Should never have been given in se- the first place. Well, well, but it was given nonetheless, and Galatasaray missed the penalty, despite the fact that several Riza and Galatasaray players jumped into the box as mm-hmm. he was stepping up to take it. So if the rules are rules, then the, the penalty should have been retaken. Yes, but the, I mean, the preceding was... rule you know, annuls that, basically. The, the penalty should never have been given because the supposed fall, whether it's a fall or not, we're going to leave that in the middle, but the supposed fall occurs before the ball is in play, so therefore it cannot be a penalty. That's the rule. That's that's also the reason why this match could be replayed, because there's a Kural Hatasse, a rules infraction, which uh, occurred there. Not a but my my understanding is that the the so-called appeal to replay the match is for the decision in the 90th minute. No, 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 no. Which it's is for, uh, it's, it's for the first penalty. You cannot appeal. I, there's mm. not, there's nothing that you can't appeal anything on that penalty because that's a, that's the interpretation of the referee. It's a hakem hatasi. You cannot appeal that. There's not you. It needs to be a kural hatasa, which is a rules infraction where the referee clearly gets the rule wrong, or the var or whatever, and that happened on the first penalty because the the the, the fall was happened mm. before the corner was kicked, and that cannot be a penalty because the ball isn't in play. That's oh, the, I, I I don't think that's the I don't think that's the case. You it's can the, case. the ref the referee can still send the player off if the player if the ball is off the pitch. In the yes, same way that a referee but he cannot, can, he can, he cannot give a penalty there. Uh, I've seen, I've certainly seen referees blow for, for a penalty when there's a tussle in the box, if when the, another player is is if waiting the ball to take is, corner. Yes, if the ball is in play, he can give a penalty. If the ball is not in play, he cannot give a penalty. That's the rule. But the ball is in play when the foul is committed. I, no, I'm because just he was still right he was still lining up to kick it. 
No, I, don't, I think that's a very weak argument. I don't think the I don't think TFF should should uh, replay the, the game because of this highly subjective observation. It's not subjective. It's objective because the ball no, is not in play. Well, I, I, I'm watching it right now, and I can see that the ball is in the air as the as the player goes down. There are three separate incidents in the box. As the player where... goes down. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but the fall is not when the player is going down. The fall is okay, when he receives a push or it's, whatever. It's it's essentially at the same time. The guy's pushed, and within a second, he's on the floor. So, from the angle that it shows, it appears that the ball is in the air when the push is made on three different players. Actually, there are three different players who goes down. So you could argue that each individual case should lead to a penalty in its own right. Well, I think I'm, I've I've got the. Uh, Baseball thing open at the moment, yeah. And I can see the the first person to go down is number twenty seven, and he definitely goes down before, like he's halfway to falling down before the the ball is kicked. But then, to the very right of my screen, so I can't actually see when he goes down. By the time, yeah, the ball is in the air, number what's on my head forty something, forty five, yeah, yeah, forty five. It looks like yeah. he's then on the ground, but. I, from the the replays that from Bainsport show, it suddenly then goes to a penalty, so I can't see yeah, that, when he went down or what that was. I, what I, that was I about. agree with your uh, I agree with your timestamp there, Pat, because twenty seven, who's Leon Dharma, is is sliding to the ground as the pen, as the ball is kicked. Yeah, so he, we can say that he was exempt from that, but forty five, yeah, well, who who the referee blew for, um, was fouled while the ball was in the air. Looking back, even I don't know if even uh, the first guy. I think he just falls over himself, so that probably wasn't the foul there. But yeah, I can't. Unfortunately, the uh, it's a bit difficult to tell when one's from behind the goal, so I can't see when the yeah. things being taken. And the other way, it's half the players are out shot anyway. But um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, I think it's it's, uh, it's you can't say that the game you can't you can't put a convincing argument forward to suggest that this game should be replayed because of uh, Coral Hatter. There's a rule of fraction. If it gets appealed, the match should be replayed. That's well, the we'll argument. see. We'll see what the uh, we'll see what the appeals. I think we all decides. know what's what the decision yeah. is going to be here already. Well. Let's move on to then the next controversial position: the red card for Brian Samudio. Uh, of course, we already discussed uh, Emra Agba by injury is terribly unfortunate, um, but that should not impact the referee's decision. And I think Umut was so kind as to send us a very close view of the what actually happened because unfortunately during the game we didn't get a proper replay of it. Uh, all we got to see was a little bit from behind the goal footage from very far away. But in the close-up you can clearly see that Samudio is lining up for a shot, is only looking at the ball, absolutely has no idea that Agbaba is coming in with a challenge. Uh, and he, he hits it with so much power, and right as he's about to strike the ball, Agbaba puts his leg in front of it, and he just... It's its its very graphic. Um, if you want to watch it, we could put it up on our Twitter feed, and we can let you decide. Um, but I'm going to throw to you guys first. Uzer, you're the Galtzrai man. What do you think? Is the red card justified? Uh, well, first of all, what... I think we have to establish whether or not there was any intent in Samudia's um, challenge there. And I, I honestly don't think there was intent. I agree that he was lining up for a shot. And Akbaba's leg, who was going for a tackle, who was going for a starting tackle, uh, got in the way of his shot. And he was hitting the ball with, with such power, such ferocity, that it ended up breaking his leg. So 
it's it's an extremely unfortunate series of events. I don't think there was any malice in the tackle. However, from the referee's perspective, he's just seen a player get stretched off with a double leg break. So he's probably thinking, well, it's probably it's 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 reasonable to assume that there's going to be a red card infringement here. So, given the nature of the incident and the nature of the injury, I don't think a red card is is totally disproportionate. But technically, it's the wrong decision. I mean, there's a, if there's a scale of bad decisions, right? Um, sometimes you see players get sent off when there's been no contact whatsoever. There was clear contact mm -hmm. here, so much yeah. so that it broke Akbala's leg. So while it's the incorrect decision, I don't think it's too much of a, an abhorrent one. We've seen plenty worse. I think it's a terrible decision, but uh, Pat, I'm going to let you make your point first. Yeah, I mean, I agree with, um, with you that, uh, that there was no way that it was intent. I mean, from where he took the kick, it looked like he was just going to sort of do a, you know, a, a long distance shot, which um, unfortunately um, ended up in a you know, horrific injury. And uh, you know, my best wishes to Akbaba. I hope he has a, a good recovery. Uh, young guy, so hopefully uh, he'll be quicker than normal. Um, and again, it's, I'm no rules expert in terms of what there is, but again, if there's no intent, if it was just you know, something where he did go for the ball, unfortunately someone got it in. Is it red cardable? Like there was no intent, obviously with such a bad injury and you could see the uh, effect that it had on the players. They must've known how that it was bad before any X or anything else. Again, that may have just had that impression yeah. to, uh, to, to go over the referee. I just also want to contrast, well, compare and contrast to another incident um, in the first half, I believe, when um, where Ryan Donk uh, comes on a bit of a challenge from a header, but then appears to, at first glance, kind of kick out at the um, the protruder, uh, only to kind of get in a bit of a scrap afterwards. Um, my first thought when I saw this video was that how did you only get a yellow card? Because it's a clear kind of deliberate. Um, I guess when I had a, a second and third look at there's someone kind of underneath him. So, you know, naturally he was just trying to get up, basically. Um, and if you can't call it intent, you know, if it wasn't a deliberate kick, then it was just what happened. So I would say that would, if that's going to be yellow because it's, it's no intent, then similar situation should have happened later on in the match but um you know the decision was taken ultimately and uh, left Rousseau with a with a man down yeah there's a couple of different uh interpretations for how when a red red card is given so for example with studs um referees are going to look at intent referees are going to look at when it's a tackle at the height of the leg where exactly the tackle is placed like for example if it's placed ankle height or something it's it's the you know and it's a challenge for the ball usually it's not gonna be a red it's usually gonna be a yellow but if it's like higher like shin or something then it's usually gonna be red uh flying tackles of course are gonna be are supposed to be red cards but here the the, the, the situation is different it's not really about the intent so to speak um well for because obviously there's no intent so it's not gonna be about intent here in in this this interpretation of the akbaba uh samudio position the the, the question here is excessive force. 
uh, or a reckless challenge. Now, both of those don't really apply because he's not challenging for the ball because he's the player in position. Agbaba is the player who is challenging for the ball while Samudio is in position and is lining up for a shot, has absolutely no idea of, of, of there even being a challenge for the ball. So this is this is never a red um, and you can see that the referee is clearly being influenced by the outcome of the situation. But this is a wrong decision. And, and not even, um, like, yeah, I can see why. Because the referee has to put himself beyond that. Like, I, I understand, like, as a human being, why he dec- decided to give him a red card. But in, in terms of... Um, in the spirit of the game, in, 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 in just the rules, simply, this is never a red card because the player is absolutely unaware of Agbaba's challenge. He is has no intent like you guys did. It's a wrong decision, in my opinion, um, and I think it's, it, it's, it's, it can be factually to be honest, proven see, there. We, 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 can, we can debate the, uh, the correctness of the decision all day long, and I think we're basically all three agreed that it's not a red card. But if I was... Uh, yeah, the Rizzo sport player, Samudio, I probably wouldn't have wanted to remain on the pitch yeah. anyway. Having and you broken could see that like, on his face as he, he walks off. he doesn't put up a challenge. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so in the context of the incident, I, it, I don't think it's that much of a terrible decision. The guy the guy broke his leg at the end of the day. Well, the, outcome yeah. is, the, the magnitude of the outcome is so, so great that I think um, a little bit of empathy should be applied. Yeah. yeah, but I think then you take off the player as a, as a coach. This is not up to the referee. This is not his decision. So it is a terrible decision because it impacts the match, the proceeding of the match further. It impacts Resistpor's competitiveness. They are down to 10 players for 20 minutes or, so, or all the remaining. That ultimately probably leads to their downfall in this well, match. Well, I, well I, I challenge that on the grounds that after going down to 10 men, they went 2 on up. Yes, so they went 2 on up. challenge their, their, their competitiveness too much. That's four minutes later. It's when you're down to ten men. The question is not how will you respond within the first couple of minutes. It's going to how is it going to have an effect on your ability to cover no, ground I'm, later I'm, down no, the match? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that the psychology of that is. I'm of not sure that the, the, if that's really the case. So many teams fold and collapse after going down to ten men. It's it's rare to see a team go two one up against the title challenges having just lost the they, match. They scored almost instantly afterwards. The first Which attack is even more following... impressive, I think. Yes, but you, of course it has an impact. This is like you saying last week that... Uh, the, the, oh, I'm not saying it doesn't have an impact. I'm just saying that the impact is not as great as you're saying. Clearly it has a great impact since they end up losing the match after the 2-2, then they have they don't have that extra man to, to put pressure on the ball on Fuguli who swings in the cross, which was relatively pressureless so to speak so of course it has an impact further on their match and their downfall in the match this is it, it's not a good decision by the referee because it's a wrong decision so you can okay, never let, let's let us move on let's move on to the, the 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 even more wrong decision which is which is the penalty at the end because i know that Galatasaray are getting a lot of uh a lot of stick for the way in which this game was turned around but it, we should be it sh- everything should be examined in the context of of uh, of the match in its in its entirety and later for the for the whole season, I mean, well, let's get to the referee's uh, penalty decision and then I'll, I'll I'll open up more about this. 
Okay, so at a time we have the penalty position, of course. Right at, uh, first, we have the goal from uh, Umar Aminu, who uh, taps into the empty net. But then we have, in the at a time, we have the penalty um, for Onyekuru. Uh, not really sure what the penalty is given for there. The defender uh, gets the ball out of, you know, plays, get, clears the ball, and uh, Onyekuru goes down. Um, and there's a penalty, uh, even after VAR makes the referee go look and the referee decides it's a penalty. I think even the most fanatical Galatasaray fan uh, didn't agree with that decision. It was a weird decision. Um, yeah. I, I, don't, I, I still don't know what the penalty was given for. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It, so, on, on first... Um, when I first watched this, I, I was shocked that the penalty was given. And I was even more shocked when it went to VAR. And the referee had a chance to view it for himself and awarded it nonetheless. And I wrote this during the match on Twitter that I was really stunned. It was never a penalty. Seeing it a million times, I still stand by that. It not not being a penalty. Um, however, again, you've seen penalties given in Turkish League, in Premier League, in the Champions League for total dives. Uh, at least there was contact here between the uh, Rizal Sport defender and Onyokuru. The contact which made Onyokuru lose his balance and fall to the ground. Was it a foul? No. Was it a penalty? Certainly not. But at least there was some contact to justify some of the um, lead-up to that decision. So it wasn't a completely completely false decision. There was at least contact in the penalty box, which made the player lose his balance. But it definitely wasn't a penalty. I would never give that as a penalty or a foul anywhere on the pitch. But at least there was contact. Yeah, but when we talk about context, I think it's also important to look at the importance of this call and how sure, big sure. it was. So that's also important to take into. I mean, we've seen we've seen poor penalties in the past, like we were talking about just a couple of weeks ago, the the the, the supposed fall on Mahmoud Tigdemir, which sk- saves a point for Bishak Shahir in, in in the dying minutes against uh, Rizespor, uh ironically, yeah. um, and that was a terrible t- decision too, um, but. I think there's you you can put there's contact there too. The funny thing is that he actually goes the other direction than where the supposed fall. Then he should naturally fall into if if it was an actual fall. But that's 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 a discussion for two weeks ago. I think it's it's very simple to say here. This is not a penalty. I think all three of us are going to agree on that. I mean, Uzer, I saw your tweet. You were immediately said that's never a penalty. Um, but. Yeah, gets given anyway. Of course, Galtzray are getting a lot of hate on social media because of it. And then you see uh, the natural response of any, in my opinion, the natural response of any fan of a club. You're going to start defending your own team. Like, obviously, I think if this would happen to Fenerbahce, this would happen to to Besiktas. Besiktas and Fenerbahce fans would have the exact same reaction. But when we look at it, try and look at it from a realistic Realistic, more more impartial standpoint. I think it's it's one of the more scandalous decisions of the season, right? Can we agree on that? Uh, I guess, yeah. I guess you, you you're definitely going to be up there. But I, I would like to see some consistency applied from uh, rival fans when it happens to Galatasaray as well. I mean, let's mm-hmm. remember the completely fake penalty against Konyaspor back in mm-hmm. November during the season, mm-hmm. which was I think in the 89th minute, Serdarzis yeah. clearly won the ball with a very elegant tackle in the penalty box. Referee not agree. only uh, not only awarded a penalty, but sent Serdarzis off for that as well, which cost us three points. Um, two points. 
two, cost us two points. Well, it cost us the three points, and it cost us two points in the last minute, which was yeah. a completely scandalous fake penalty. Uh, 100% agree. Let, let's remember when the referee didn't blow for 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 100% foul on Faguli in the match against Fener, which led to which immediately led to a goal, which again cost us uh, two points in the victory and had a huge psychological blow and stunted our, our title charge, which was mm. going much stronger back then. So I mean, it happens. It ha- what in yes. the context of the season overall, mm-hmm. we would not like to see any any of these like any incidents like yeah. these. But you could argue that they balance out, and you could. We should all always argue to try and be consistent for each other's club, each other's clubs as well. Yeah. I mean, I've tried to do that when it's happened to Besiktas and Fener, etc., to try and be objective as possible. And I, I was really disappointed to see this huge hate campaign coming out in the last two days. Mm-hmm. For the other side but I think when you again, context is king. I, I completely agree with you when you say that um, this evens out over the season, so to speak. But we need to look very importantly at the context, at the position we are in right now, in the middle of a title race. Uh, and this is not the first favorable call that Galtrai gets in the last four or five games. Um, look, I'm not going to go into too much last week. I said my piece about that, but we, the referee there was one-sided in my opinion. Fine. The week before that, we had the Emre Agbaba red card that should have been given. It, I mean... Very reckless challenge there. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Reckless, uh, excessive force. And there's been... This, that's three matches in a row already. Where you're escaping. Then you have the Thiago red card penalty. Uh, which was... Again, that is, that's all in the same match. Where Agbabag does not get that red card sent off. Then the Thiago penalty. Soft second yellow gets sent off. Um, it adds up. I get the frustration. But... I agree with you that when you say that, that things do even out, but at some point there's decisions that I think this is like so bad. Like I've and I'm consistent in this because I've said the same thing multiple times about that Konya sport penalty because that's my go-to when I talk about yeah. bad referee decisions. You cannot say that it's not the case because that's my go-to example. I've at least used it four times in four different episodes. Yeah. Um, so. But these types of decisions need to be scrutinized. And I think especially now when it's so important. Come on, look, let's be honest. Um, I, I understand. the. the I mean, do I still believe that Bishish have a shot at the title? Of course not. Do, would I believe that Bishish would still have a shot at the title even if Galtra had lost that match? No, of course not. I, I, I'm not there anymore. But I do get that there are fans who will cling on to that little bit of hope. And they then see, well, look here. Galtra probably would have lost this match if it weren't for that penalty. Um, and because who says that that late goal still comes it's, it changes the match that's also a breaking point for Riza to do concede that last grasp equalizer and then you see obviously the 2-3 so for some people it's like oh well 2 plus 2 is 4 but that's not how football works um, so I can get certain people responding in the way of well you know what I mean if that penalty doesn't get given it's a different story uh, Bishtesh might still have a chance for second place so I can get under- I understand Bishtesh supporters being frustrated there obviously I'm biased in that but I, do- I personally don't believe in those chances anymore but whatever um, but it, it is I mean it's, it's also for me personally I want to see I said after the match, before the Galtzrae-Bistich match, I said, look, whoever wins this, I hope whoever wins it wins 
deservedly, without controversy, and whoever wins it, well, I hope that team wins the title because they'll deserve it. I, I don't think last week was without controversy. I, I had a bad feeling coming out of that match um, for double reasons. For One, because Chanel Ganesh could, you know, so... At the end of the day, Galtrai were the more willing team, but it's it's a shame that it does have have, have to happen with some controversy surrounding. I think it would have been better if that match would have just gotten one two nil with with, with two one hundred percent no disc, you know no scrutiny you know just that's yeah, that, but then it's easier to take. This is this is, this is Turkish is football league. exactly. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> so we, we we it's a shame for us because we end up talking so much about the referee and when we watch mm-hmm. football programs we end up listening to commentators, analysts talking all day about the referee and, and not about the football. So maybe we should talk a little bit just very quickly about the game uh, and about individual performances. Because from per- personally, it was... I mean, it's easy to say when he scores twice, but Jagne's best game for Galatasaray, uh, particularly... Well, basically completely because of that, that last-minute winner. That last goal, um, Like, it's, it's the first goal that I remember in a very long time in open play. It's a header. It's a very difficult technique, and he manages it hit it on target, which is very impressive. And I think he really he really felt a massive weight come off his shoulders after scoring that goal because you could see it, you yeah. Could see it yeah, his celebrations. Because his celebrations really of team. any other goal are like very Mario Balotelli-esque. Right. Like, right, I, right, don't right. show any emotion, poker face. And this one, you could see the emotion. Exactly. Uh, and I was sure. very happy to see that, finally. And I also want to make a shout out for Faguli, who has, and we've been saying this week in, week out, but he's been mm-hmm. adding um, so much more quality to his game, adding a lot of leadership and taking responsibility in games. Yep. He had one goal, one assist at the weekend, um, and I think he's been our most consistent performer of 2019. 100% so, agree. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he continues with that run of okay. form. So I'm gonna have let let Pat have his piece. I know he has a lot to say about this. I hope he won't break up. Uh, so if, <laughs> if he does break up a little bit, I do apologize. But unfortunately, I cannot fix that in post. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the dust is kind of settled to some extent from uh, from the game. I mean, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, what's happened has happened. And, you know, we can argue until the cows come home, as the expression in English goes. But I just think, you know, as, there, as, as you said, these things can kind of happen to any team. And maybe one season they happen to one team more than another team, or you know when it comes into a title race that everyone's kind of uh, you know fighting for, and a particular number of decisions go in favour of one team. Then, rather than at the beginning of the season, you know, I guess that the pressure's uh, a bit higher on that. And you know, there's as as fans, there's nothing really we can do. We can just discuss as we do here or on social media or on the thousands and thousands of whatsapp groups i'm sure there are across turkey and the world discussing this but um you know these things happen and as as annoyed as i was that day and you know for me i I very rarely use uh social media or to some extent our uh, whatsapp group to kind of vent myself but uh it got to that point where i was like come on really like you know, it, it, just the number of decisions that I guess helped the game. This could also be because if I'd known, um, I think at about the 90 minute mark that there were what 12 minutes of additional time added on, uh, I definitely, definitely, definitely would have 
puts a small throttle on uh, Galatasaray to win just, you know, to at least make some money out of a bad situation, which unfortunately <laughs> I didn't do and uh, only regretted, what, five <laughs> or ten minutes later. But um, I don't know. I mean, there's not really much you can do about it. Um, you know, as we will discuss, uh, you know, later on in this episode, it's going to be an interesting weekend next weekend. Um, and, you know, we can only really see what's going to happen then yeah well i i think one of the big things as well is when rarely you can say that a, i think you can like i'm sure people said it last week like galtzrai won because of the referee but like i said last week look shit galtzrai won because they wanted it more and because you know was a coward so i think that 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 is superior to the rev there i think sometimes it rarely happens i, I really think that is the case here galtzrai did win this in large part due to thanks to the referee because two major decisions there's I spoke about three earlier but there's two here that really impact that final scoreline because with that red card and with that penalty you you're 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 basically breathing life into them you're giving them two lifelines in that match because of that at 1-1 you're giving them the man up situation and at 2-1 in 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 in, in you know the extra time already you're you're gifting them a penalty obviously you still have to score that and everything but this is definitely you know the ref helping out a little bit i don't think you can not 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 i don't think you can deny that and i don't think Uzer is denying it but sometimes that happens sometimes referees willingly or unwillingly are going to help out a certain team well. whether well, maybe we can just say that the guy is a human and he made a mistake. I mean, yeah, he made, but he made he made two big mistakes. That's well, yeah, well, I mean, it's not, it's not, I it's think, not entirely impossible. I, no, but, no of, uh, of course not. I'm not saying he did it deliberately. I'm just saying, look, this was a very bad match for him, and it was yeah, unfortunately sure, very one sided. I think we can agree on that. Yeah. I do think that the one of the big source of frustration as well as Ozer, which for many people is that. You know, I, I've seen a lot of Galtzrai fans go uh, on, on social media as well. Of course, like I said, obviously they're going to start defending their team. This is normal. This is a normal re- human reaction. Everyone would have the same reaction. Um, but there's, I see a lot of, well, you know, when this happens to Bishtis or Fenerbahce, I don't see blah, blah, blah. But the the amount of complaining that Galtzrai have done this season is sur- far surpasses any other club. I think we can safely say that, right? Oh, I mean, well, I, I don't know about that. I think a lot of uh, been a lot of crying from our opposition fans. I mean, we we didn't have our fans. Coach for fans one, are for always one, going to fans are always going to complain. Uh, fans are always going to complain, but the, the the complaining when it comes from the top, from the coach, from the from the from the coach, from the from the, from the board members, from oh well, I the, think in that case, surely it's Fenerbahce who are, who are, who are top of that league. <laughs> I mean, did, they, did, the, didn't they? The, didn't they make out another? Didn't they make another announcement the other day? On yeah, in fact, yesterday, twelfth of May, um, something I didn't. I don't think I actually bothered to read. Um, uh, there's been a lot of crying coming out of Fener as a way of deflecting their failure on, on the pitch. Yeah, but when are they? When are they complaining about the referees and stuff like that? Like openly, the the, the presidents complaining about the referee, the, the the coach complaining about the referee. This season, I'm not talking previous seasons when Adis Yildirim was at the helm of the club. It was non-stop that stuff. But I haven't really seen Ali Koch 
uh, putting pressure on the referees because that's what Galtrai have actively been doing ever since that Konyaspor match and they've been doing it continuously throughout the season putting a lot of pressure on both the federation and the referees and in a lot of people's eyes that seems to be paying off right now. I know one of the biggest complaints that Bishtesh fans have is that Fikret Oman doesn't do that. They blame him for not doing do that for not to do doing that. Uh, for example, they blame him last week for not making strong statements. They they t I don't, by the way. I'm very much of the opinion that I don't want presidents getting involved. A coach is allowed to speak his mind, but that should be limited to the post-match interview, and he shouldn't be going on for two to three weeks afterwards complaining about the referee. Like, look, after the Lokomotiv uh, Galtzrai match, Fatih Teram didn't even speak about the, the performance of his team. He spoke about the decision that happened, uh, that, that the 17 teams decided to say, no, we're not going to support you in this, in, in trying to basically force referees in, in, a, in a position of, of after the Konyaspor game, where, you know, Galtrai tried to get those two referees suspended. Uh, and then the the seventeen other clubs of the the the, the, the league decided no we're gonna gonna we're, we're basically gonna say no we're gonna allow you to do that because it's going to create a dangerous precedent and afterwards after the three one or three nil loss to Lokomotiv all Fatih Teran was talking about was that oh it took, completely took us out of the moment we couldn't concentrate on the match because of this, this uh, and that that stuff that I sounds like crying sounds like crying sounds that like is crying. that's what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> no but I think I think that. Uh, I think that, that that creates a perception with other fans, with rival fans, that now, for some reason, that that is getting paid off. And I think that that creates an extra feeling of injustice. Do you understand where I'm coming from, Azar? Not, not, not really. In fact, um, <laughs> if, if Galatasaray is suffering so much at the hands of the referee and the club is making statements to address that and highlight that week in, week out, and suddenly the decisions uh, are, are finally becoming more fair, then I think justice is being served. <laughs> what do you mean more fair? I mean, you guys made a whole deal out of uh, Fenerbahce scoring out of a faulty throw-in, and then the, the exact same thing happened last week, where after a million replays, you still couldn't tell whether it came of Janner or the other players. So, and, and then the, you, you, then it's not a problem. So that's kind yeah, of well, hypocrisy, like, like isn't said, it? Well, no, 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 not really, because I'm saying fairness in the context of the whole season. In terms, saying things yeah. are bouncing out at least. So, yeah, wrong decisions this weekend, but, you know, we, we've suffered a lot lately. And I'm, I'm ready to move on to the I next I don't really <laughs> think lately you've suffered a lot. I think you suffered a lot early in the season. I think there's be I think it's better to suffer early in the season than it is towards <laughs> the final five matches yeah. when the, the trophies get divided. But unless Pat has something to add, let's, let's move on, because uh, otherwise yeah. this is going to be too much... Uh, uh, and, and all your hate mail can be se sent to I don't give a fuck at <laughs> gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> this is an R rated show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, let's move over to the Fenerbahce Akisar match because this one, uh, fairly important too, because it does seal the fate of Akisar. Fenerbahce, of course, don't really have much to play for anymore. Although, quickly looking at the table, I'll, I'll do that while uh, we're talking, but uh, I think they might still have uh, be in contention with a fifth place now because of Alanya Spore and Antalya Spore's uh, ineptitude. Sadly um, not. No. No, I'd, I'd like to say yes. Malatya yeah. Spore, yeah. I think they, they won yesterday, I believe, or they the won, day before. Yeah. 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 And, and that ultimately sealed pretty much um, well, Fenerbahce's fit in terms of uh, not being able to reach Europe, which is a bit of a shame, but mm. What could you sometimes maybe, say? 
maybe it's best for them though uh, next season rebuilding maybe not having that extra load of matches although potentially I, yeah i do think that to last season i think it actually worked out in galtry's benefit to have those two early games against ustersons because it kind of shocked the team to wake up early, you know, so to speak, so they were 100% ready when this, the ball got rolling for the season. Um, but this match ends 2-1 for Fenerbahce. Fenerbahce take the lead here to Roberto Soldado in the 28th minute, and Nabil Durar scores a very nice goal from outside yeah, the box nice. just two min- minutes later, making it 2-0. Eldar Barbosa continues his scoring ways for Akisar and gets uh, the... the only consolation goal for Akisar in the 45th minute. Akisar did play a decent game again. I think they were quite lively, um, but unfortunately for them, no points once again. Uh, there was also a VAR awarded penalty uh, in the 41st minute for a handball. Yep. I kind of felt that it was ball to hand. It was from very close range. I know the hand was up a little bit, but felt a little harsh. Uh, and then, um, yeah, Akisar are officially relegated now. So, just Pat gonna let you uh, have your your say here, your final conclusions. This is gonna be one of, I, the, the, the one to last home game for Fenerbahce yeah. season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I think you know every victory is important. It's a shame as uh, as normally we didn't make it too easy for ourselves. I guess if we scored that penalty, it would have been three 0 before half time, assuming that Akisar wouldn't have then got their goal. Um, however, you know, 45 minutes of not knowing if uh, we're going to get that uh, winner or if Axe are going to get back into it uh, made slightly nervous uh, final final four to five minutes, but uh, that's Fenerbahce for you. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, ultimately a, a good victory, which um, sends Axe down to the, to the first league. Um, to some extent, Bit of justice because when we lost three 0 to Akisar early in the season, the the Akisar fans were chanting "Fener Kumea," um, so Fener to the relegation zone, I guess. Um, but it's turned around a little bit, unfortunately for them, and uh, maybe we'll sort of warn their fans in the future not to maybe mess with us. But there you go. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, ultimately, sort of a, a victory, but. Slightly nervous, obviously not scoring the penalty meant, and then conceding sort of straight afterwards did lead to a rather nervous the last 45 minutes um, in very classic Fenerbahce style. Uh, but we managed to, to hold a nerve and um, grind out the 2-1 win. Puts us on 40 points, um, which would have been good. However, Melatius War's later victory did mean that uh, we mathematically can't finish in fifth place, which could snatch a, uh, a late European position, but you know, we'll have to, to look forward to next season. Um, the only thing for me, which has been on my mind throughout the season, is the 2010-2011 season, not so much uh, for us, but for, for Galatasaray. Um, it was a season when they had a bit of a bobble and ended up, I believe, if I very quickly look, in eighth position um, with 46 points. Uh, now, 46 points, if we do win our next two games, would be a, a figure that we'd match. Um, you know, Ultimately, we could finish as high as sixth or sort of somewhere in between. Um, but I think just for the, the sort of, you know, like I can call it a moral victory, but a moral draw at the end of the day, you know, we can say that, well, when you had your bad season, you got the same number of points as we did. So kind of balances out to some extent and you know then obviously as uh, as Ern 
will remember very well because we were in the same room when it happened. <laughs> Galatasaray then won the championship the next season. So, yeah, exactly. A few years ago now. But, um, Quite a few FSs at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I needed a few more after the match. So, <laughs> my sorrows. So, uh, yeah, no, if we, we've got Erzurum Sport away next week and... Um, It'll be a tough game because Ezra's been on a bit of a revival in recent weeks. And they know, I think that they, assuming that uh, Gustepe win their game or even draw the game before, um, Ezra will have to win to kind of stay up. So, you know, Fennel will be against it, I guess. But um, final day, uh, day of the season game at home to, to Antalya. Could mean that you know we we do hit that forty six points and uh, you know at least for me maybe some other fans get that sort of equal standing with a Galatas a, a bad Galatasaray season. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point, Pat. I've just been looking at the tables as well, and you're right. If if Fair win the next two games, it'll, it'll match that season from Gala. I think what makes it worse compared to ten years ago, I think like social media has taken off so much and we're all on Twitter and we're all kind of taking mm-hmm. the piss out of each other all the time. <laughs> and it's been going on for months and months with Fenerbahce. But it's, yeah. it's really added yeah. a lot of pressure onto the club. But also, the change at the top, Ali Koch coming in after such a long time with Aziz Yildirim, suddenly the whole Fenerbahce Jamia is expecting Fener to like go up a level. You know, This is what they've been waiting sure. for for years. And suddenly it's had a totally opposite effect which has added another kind of psychological blow to, to everyone involved in the club. That's why it's been so difficult for them to kind of get out of this hole, I think. Mm. Of course, uh, yeah. But, but that's uh, a process, of course. You can't just... Process, I mean, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think for that, you know, obviously I can understand things. And there are lots of changes, um, both sort of on and off the field for Fenerbahce. Mm. And, you know, if, if we can get those two final victories and regardless of where it sits us at the end of the season, you know, we could finish sixth, which on paper isn't so bad. And like I said, if, if again, if we can match that sort of symbolic 46 that Fen- uh, Galatasaray got all those seasons ago, to some extent, I'd rather finish sort of on and up, regardless of how low that still keeps us, than to sign the Peter out and not really do anything. And, you know, actually, as, as we record this, Fenerbahce, I think, is sort of in day two of like their uh, Fenerol, um yeah. campaign, yeah. which, you know, in a completely different you know, uh, a podcast for maybe the the off How season. How much is that raised, by the way, so far? Well, yeah. I mean, it, it keeps going up and up every time I seem to refresh Twitter. But um, you know, uh, just in terms of the finances of the the three big clubs, um, is just uh, you know, Fenerbahce seem to be the most um, open in terms of having to do things about it. You know, I remember early on in the season when so Ali Koch officially kind of on his. Um, was it a Jamias Deslin yeah. But of course, it's also the, because it's, it's the easiest for for him because he just took over. Uh, that's the same as as when Orman took over in 2012. It was very easy to say, "Look, well, this previous administration really messed up the club, and it's sure. going to be difficult for us now." And and now you see, for example, X amount of years later. Orman is less open about that. So you can only really judge it in, in like, let's say, three, four years when when yeah. Coach has had a while to, to try and ride the ship if he'll still be that open about of course, things, yeah. Of course, yeah. I mean, just just to, to finish off my point, and I'll, I don't want to hog the, the, the time too much, but I think 
Yeah, in that context, for example, you know, uh, the economy in Turkey and the lira itself um, have seen sort of better days. Um, so I think it's a lot, yeah, obviously, in a very short space of time, you know, let's say, not this is a real thing, but, you know, let's say 100 million lira debt, which obviously is not the case because that would be great because it's a very yeah, small it's money. Three billion. Yeah. Yeah, 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 a little bit different. But, you know, that money let's say five years ago is very different to the yeah. to the figure it is now even oh sorry even, I, I should i should be saying the other way around ago. sorry yeah uh, 100 million euros for example is, is a lot different when let's say mm-hmm. most of the uh shirt and um merchandise yeah. sales are in lira yeah. ticket sales all that jazz in lira as well whereas you know payments to players and other members of staff might be in euros you know it it it's i, I think we're going to see a lot of changes uh, in the background um, in terms of whether transfers or people sort of coming through the door quite quickly. I know, as I've been seeing on your Twitter account recently, uh, lots of references to that 100 million euros for uh, Diagnet. Whether that will happen, I don't know, but I'm sure he'll make a, a bit of a tidy sum. But oh, I think are you sure that uh, they can sell him for a profit just because there's so many clubs who you just know are, are not paying proper attention? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Premier so, League clubs, for example. True, true. Yeah. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of who comes and who, who goes over the summer summer batch because, um, well, not just for us, but for all the clubs, really, because I think, you know, we are slowly but surely entering a new era where, you know, the, the likes of the Schneiders or the Van Persie's, um, yeah. it's kind of uh, you know a good memory that we can kind yeah. of share with the, the younger it's, generation. It's, it's a difficult lesson though for Turkish culture uh, because they do still. I mean, I, I I don't think it'll be ever truly done. I think there will always no, be no, attempts so, yeah. to get those big bomb transfers, so to speak. Sure. Um, they may not be of the level of, of Wesley Schneider when he came because he was like 28 or something and yeah, he's still yeah, really seven, in, yeah. in, in his prime. Um, I don't think we'll probably see those types of things anytime soon, but I think we'll still see a 32-year-old um, uh, Valbuena or, or something like that. You know, uh, Maybe not for the 4.5 or 4 million euro contracts, but... Two and a half million is still a lot of money for a lot of players. Um, exactly. I don't know how that exploded so suddenly because I remember just in the beginning of the decade, two and a half million in Turkey was a lot of money for a contract. Uh, and then we saw that slowly shift where, where even the Turkish players, Selçuk, Burak, were the first ones, I think, uh, that, that started making close to three million a year, which, which was really extravagant. But... It all came with the success too, because you did get those big players, uh, Schneider, um, those heavy paid foreigners, and then of course the the, the good Turks are gonna want to pay raise too. Um, I think we're seeing a little bit of a negative trend since the early 2010s uh, in, in those in those wages, because from the mid 2000s to the to the to the to the late 2000s uh, to, tw- to to 2010 or so two and a half million was pretty much the, the ceiling that you would see that was like the mo- the best paid player in turkey would earn two and a half million now just not even a decade later w- we were, were seeing four and a half million quite frequently you know pepe last season had clo- had, cl- had 4.7 or something negredo had 4.3 uh, gomis had 4.3 we see now figuli i think he's on four and a half we uh, valbuena is on like four and a half or something we see a lot of these really big four plus million contracts even though 
uh, the, the economy, as you said, has not improved at all. I mean, the economy now in Turkey is worse than it was in 2010. Oh yeah, uh, unfortunately, and that's going to make it only more difficult for these types of things, these these like these Fener all campaigns. I think in 2010 that would have been a lot more lucrative. Sure, obviously, sure. you know, and, and we're seeing also now next season uh, that this the shirts are going to be 250 liras, and and fans are up in arms like they're they feel like they're getting priced out. They can't afford these these shirts anymore, or at least they can only maybe afford one shirt, and, and many of them are just gonna not going to buy it out of principle, and they're blaming the club, they're blaming the. the, the the president, the board, like how can you do this, 250 euros. But what people also need to keep in mind, these these shirts are still produced by Nike, they're still produced by Adidas, they're still yeah. produced by, by Puma, whatever. And if you look at the euro value, that has pretty much stayed around the 35 to 40 euro mark for, for over a decade. They're making a lot less on these shirts in Turkey than they are on a shirt in Belgium, for, so to speak, or a shirt in Holland, where these shirts are close to 100 euros a piece. More than double the price that they're getting for the shirts in Turkey. And these are still conglomerate companies. These Adidas, Nike, they're going to want to, they want the profit. Obviously, a Galatasaray, a Besiktas are going to sell a lot more shirts than an Anderlecht are going to sell, than even an Ajax are going to sell. You know, no matter how popular Ajax is, Ajax are not going to sell 500,000 shirts in a season. But that's something Besiktas, Galatasaray, and Fenerbahce can aspire and have. Besiktas last season broke the 500,000 shirt cap. That's 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 pretty high up there if you compare that to other big clubs in Europe. Um, many, you know, if if that would be uh, let's say an Italian club that sold 500,000, they would go up in the next echelon of of, of uh, the next tier of how much money they're going to get the next time their contract comes around. But for example, a Bishtej, a Galatasaray, Fenerbahce are never going to be able to get a, a 10, 15 million euro a year sponsorship deal with Adidas or Nike simply because the economy in Turkey doesn't allow those shirts to bring in that much money. It's not prudent for those companies. Um, end rant, sorry for that, but I, I did want to pick, up on, pick in on that. Um, anything left to add, Pat, on the, the Fenerbahce uh, performance? Uh yeah, I mean, I think it was a, the, obviously a couple of, of good moments, but um, yeah, it would have been it would be nice to at least score that third goal just to to calm the nerves. But uh, I think it's just you know the, the final push, like I said, to trying to get those two final victories just uh, to finish off the season, maybe on a bit of a high on a high note. Yeah. Um, and then you know, look, kind of look forward to seeing what's what's going to happen over the summer. Okay. Let's move over to another very important match. This one uh, again for the relegation zone. Uh, Gustepe Sivaspor, a, a goal-scoring festivity, so to speak. 3-3 at full time. Emre Kilinch here putting the visitors ahead after just eight minutes. Denis Kada, again, he keeps on scoring for Gustepe. Uh, maybe he started scoring a little bit too late, but at least he's scoring. Uh, gets the equalizer in the 10 minutes. Then uh, Berkan Emir, unfortunately, for Gustepe, scores an own goal in the 33rd minute. But Cameron Jerome... Uh, makes it 2-2 in the 54th minute, and then Mohamed Dimir from a free kick makes it 2-3 in the 80th minute, but Gustepe got back into it as Axel Ngando made it 3-3 in the 82nd minute, um, but again, 
uh, Cameron Jerome involved in that goal there, the Cameron Jerome effect, as Burak likes to put it. Uh, of course, his uh, his connotations are a little different. Um, but there was also a red card here for Wallace Reyes that came just before the free kick goal from Mohamed Dimir. Uh, I think he got a second yellow there, but I didn't note the time of the, the first yellow. Um, and Mohamed Dimir scoring out of the resulting free kick. We haven't seen much of Mohamed Dimir. He's he a good was free very kick. Hot commodity a couple of years ago when he was at Gaziantep Sport and he went to Trabzonspor. He was a very highly rated young upcoming striker, just like Jing Tosun. They were coming up at around the same time, similar age. But we kind of seen him fade away uh, in the last season or two. But this very good free kick, as uh, Pat pointed out there. Um, Denis Kada had also a goal disallowed when the scoreline was 2 2. That was for offside. Far showed that it was a correct decision. We also had Alpaslan Usturk hit the crossing when it was 3-3 that could have been the 3-4 because uh, Andre Castro taps in the rebound makes it 4-3 for Gustepe but again off, uh, ruled off for offside so Gustepe are gonna feel um, very uh, unlucky uh, are going to be disappointed that they only got one point but they keep one point ahead of, of Bursaspor in the standing but really they these, these home games are, are where because they kind of had, had, you know, left themselves hanging a little bit. I'm going to throw to you first, Uzer, because I know, and everyone knows by yeah. now, that you have a, a definitely <laughs> some affection for this club. Absolutely, absolutely. Anything red and yellow, and I, I fall straight for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, Gustafa, yeah, I mean, what a game this was. Really thrilling match. Um, actually, Sivas' second goal, if I quickly switch to Sivas, was absolutely class. It was such a fluid move, really, like, oozing quality. It was like, Watching Brazil video from the 1970s was really impressive. But um, Gustepe were able to pull it back and 3-3. Uh, Jerome with one goal and one assist. Alpaslan's shot that you referred to earlier was really impressive. The commentator almost lost himself. I think we can establish that he is a Gustepe fan himself. Uh, he looked like he, it sounded like he'd, um, he'd lost his voice after, after screaming, Alpaslan! And then he realised he'd hit the post. He kind of calmed down a little bit. I think Gustepe had two goals disallowed as well. Um, so altogether, it just shows how how really hungry and up for it they were in front of their in front of their home fans. And three three is not a bad result for them um, because it means that everything is nicely poised for next weekend's finale against Borussia And um, well, we all know who I'll be supporting in that game. Yeah, and and we know of course if Gustepe were to win that match, they will be safe because then they would move four points clear of Bursaspor. Uh, no, actually, I'm, 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 I'm telling a lie there, because depending on what Erzurum will do against Fenerbahce, but if they beat Bursaspor, um, Bursaspor are relegated? I think uh, so, yeah. Yeah, Bursaspor will be relegated, and then it just depends on what Erzurum Spore do against Fener. Um, but obviously, last chance match has a must-win for Bursaspor. A draw there doesn't really help either team, really, but... It helps Bursa less because there's still a point behind, but then at least it goes will probably go down to the wire. Um, just quickly going to throw to you, Pat, What what's your expectation next week of that Bursa Sport Gustepe match? Uh, it, I don't know. I'm, my early prediction will probably be a draw. Um, I think both teams are going to be fighting it out, and ultimately they'll sort of cancel out their efforts. I think, you know. Despite the colours, I, I, I do like having an Izmir team in the the Super League, and I think you know Borussia Sport very lucky two seasons ago when the uh, when Trabzonspor didn't play the best game against them and uh, sent Rizespor down with a loss. Um, 
but yeah, just looking at the the stats, um, Borussia have had lots of draws in this season so far, fifteen, which I think looks like the the most number of draws equal with Konyaspor. Just to give a bit of fact checking, mm. um, only six victories compared to Gostepe's ten, and Gostepe actually the team with the least number of draws actually with only four. Um, suggesting their games go either way a bit more, doing a bit of a Tottenham. However, yeah, I, I think with their energy, I think Gostepper might just be able to to see that Bruce has probably been quite lucky the last few games. And I think uh, Gostepper will capitalise on that and uh, take three points. Yeah, let's move on to the next match then, unless, uh, Ezra, you want to have a quick say on the next big match between Bursa and Gostepe? Uh, I, I, I'm going to keep my prediction out of this one because I don't want to jinx anything. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll definitely be enjoying that game. It's going to be a, all eyes a, are be a on cracker. That match. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. sure. There's two big crackers next week. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's it's almost like it was pre-written in a script. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> Sunday, we have... Uh, on Sunday, we had Kayseri Sport against Kasim Basha. That one ended 2-1. to one. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on on this one. Goals here came from Siam Ben Youssef, who opened the scoring for Kasim Pasha in the 26th minute. And a double by Asamoa Gian both with his head in the 74th and the 79th minute. Clinched the three points for Kayseri Sport following a David Pavelka sending off. Uh, he got sent off in the 43rd minute for Kasim Paksha. Seemed a little bit harsh. Um, does either of you have anything to add to this match, or can we just move on? Because this is a pretty unimportant match. does not affect anything at the top no, or at the bottom. Yeah. Nothing really apart no from... No offense to Kasim mm, Yeah, nothing, nothing really to add apart from Azimo Jan, who scored yeah. two really delightful headers. And let's not forget that Azimo Jan is playing for Kaiser, which is quite yeah, which, a headline in itself. Yeah, which we kind of all kind of forgot because yeah. he's so... he's He's been... He's had a couple of matches where he's oh wait he plays there but then he just seems right. to disappear in obscurity again. He's been outshone by Umut Umut Bulut. Let's be honest, a 36 or something year old Umut mm. Bulut has uh, consistently been keeping him out of the team and yeah. deservedly so because Umut has been good for Kaiseri Sport. I believe I believe he's injured currently though, so I yeah. think he's wish him wish him a speedy recovery too because he's a he's a great guy. For sure, and uh, let's move over to Konya Sport, Trabzonsport. This is a match that does still have an importance in the league table because Trabzonsport, of course, still pushing for third place. Of course, they want to play one less round of qualifying football, especially if Galatasaray win the cup. I keep coming back to that, but then third place would be directly qualified for the Europa League group stages and would not have to play any qualifiers. So that is rather important if you want to avoid that early summer or a shorter uh, tr training break, so to speak. But this one ends 2-2. Konya Spor holding Trabzonspor to a draw or, or the other way around, depending on how you look at things. Hugo Rodallego had gotten the scoring started here in the 11th minute, but Jens Jonsson with a fabulous strike equalized in the 17th minute. And then Morike Fofana made it 2-1 for Kornjaspor in the 45th minute following a Nate Skubic goal. And I, I wanted to point that out there because I know I've been riding him hard a little bit. He's not been performing at the level we've gotten used to him the previous two seasons. But then Jose Sosa equalized from the penalty spot in the 79th minute. And that clinched the point for Trabzonspor. Um, and that makes it with Besiktas winning today. We're going to get to that later, but that makes the gap four points, meaning that if Trabzonspor do not beat Besiktas next week, 
third place is will officially be for uh, for for Shell Gunesh and uh, the the Black Eagles. So important two points that they drop here, following also their two points dropped against Fenerbahce two weeks ago. Uh, Trabzonspor kind of letting up in these last two away games, but they still have a chance next week. They'll have to beat Besiktas and then hope that Besiktas cannot win their final match at home against. Um, who are they playing at home? Kasim Pasha. Right. So, it's going to be tough for, for Trabzon to still get that third place, I think. Uh, the, their hope should have probably been, uh, for Trabzon Sport, it should have been on uh, on Besiktas maybe dropping points and them themselves doing the job, but they couldn't get it done. Konya Sport, with, with a decent performance, and uh, we were talking about Konya Sport two weeks ago or so with Burak, and, and it's funny because we were kind of criticizing how bland they've been in the second half of the season, how disappointing they've been. Last season, they go and win 2-4 in Alanya, and now again, they play a decent match at home against Trabzonspor. They score six goals in the last two matches when before they, they didn't seem to be much interested in scoring goals. Um, but Uzzer, you've said it a couple of times already. You're pretty confident that Bishtas are going to finish third. I don't think your opinion probably has changed despite their loss last week, has it? No, no, it hasn't changed. Uh, Trabzon drawing 2-2, uh, kind of a choppy choppy performance. Uh, I think if it... I think... Besiktas third, Trabzon fourth is 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 a fair appraisal of the season. Um, mm-hmm. Johnson scored an unreal goal for for yeah. Konya in this game. Definitely recommend our listeners to check that out on the Bain Sports website. Um, Trabzon's keeper, young keeper, made some great saves as well. Um, Roddy Yusuf- Ake could have had a hat trick. And Yusuf was great game. again. I thought. Uh, yes, very- a- absolutely. Yeah, Trabzon's for Yusuf. Yeah, absolutely great. But I have to say that he's a lucky boy because yeah, he received one yellow. But the tackle just before, exactly, the tackle just before definitely deserved a yellow too. So he he gave a big handshake with the ref at the end of the match, which is kind <laughs> of which I thought was a bit of a sign of his relief. But yeah, very lucky boy there. Yeah, uh, Pat, what is your idea of of this Trabzon sport? Do you think they can be a contender next season? Um, I think. It's going to be harder because uh, it seems like every week there are new rumours in terms of which uh, European side are going to be yeah. going into the, the squad and picking their sort of wonder kid or sort of favourite, really. So I think it really depends on sort of the, the first 11 or, you know, the the, uh, the squad that they have come come August, really. Um, and, you know, Trabzon, they've always been sort of up there, but they, they do suffer when their key players sort of get taken by bigger clubs whether yeah. you know whether it's Burak Yulmaz a few seasons ago or um, Burak you know, Selchuk Egemen all at the same time basically yeah. for rival teams uh yeah, that, but I think that's going to be less of an issue now. I think it's it's unrealistic for Fenerbahce Bishtaj Galtzray to go after a player like Yusuf. So it's it's going to have to come out yeah. of Europe. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, like whether it's you know even sort of middle table Premiership teams mm-hmm. linked to sort of some of their younger players, for example, or you know larger teams. Yeah, look at their Umur in particular. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, I think they've they've had a good season. Um, haven't quite been able to finish off, I guess, in the way that they wanted. But like you say, with the um, potential third place being even more important, should things go, I guess, the way of the odds. Uh, so you know, in the upcoming few weeks, I guess, with the, the cup final. But um, yeah, you know, they've they've uh, they've been sort of um, showing a few moments of sort of in- great individual talent. And um, you know, I guess if uh, when it comes to their bank balance, it's going to be a good thing. But um, 
you know, can they, do they have the sort of the depth to be able to replicate that or, you know, have, they be, have their scouts been doing a good job to, to pick who's going to replace them for, for a bit cheaper? We'll see. The one thing I do really want to point out and the thing I like about Trabzonspor is something that I am, I'm, for example, tonight I kind of liked when I was watching Besiktas is the joy on the faces of the players. They're enjoying their football a lot more. I think for Besiktas, they, the players probably kind of checked out following that, that, that derby defeat last week. It kind of ended the season for them. There's a couple of exceptions, but um, the, the body language of the Trabzonspor players, despite the fact that they at this point probably won't be making third anymore, it's still possible. But um, I, I do like that, that that enthusiasm we see with a lot of younger players. But even a guy like Hugo Rodrigo, who's like 34 years old, he's still very much enjoying his football. Always so gleeful, happy when he scores a goal and contributes to the team. Um, it, it's nice. It's it's fun to see. I think. Yeah. But um, let's move over to that other title contender, Bashakshi here. For a while there, it looked like things were going to go south for them against Ankara Gujo when Tyler Boyd, who else than the unavoidable Tyler Boyd, puts the visitors ahead after 17 minutes. A, a very interesting goal and, and, and just another um, classy goal, really. I, I don't know if it was a little bit of luck or it was class, but Tyler Boyd, once again getting on the score sheet, puts the visitors ahead. Um, and that's the score at halftime, too. And I think a lot of people start thinking, oh boy... Are they going to drop points again? Are they going to fumble it again? But almost immediately out of the gate, Riyad Baic finally gets a goal because he's been playing, getting quite a lot of minutes this season. And it's difficult to grasp because he's been, in my opinion, quite poor. He never seems to score. He's never really involved in goals. He seems to be losing a lot of the duels all the time. And then you see what they have on the bench with Demba Bao, with Adebayor. And still Riyad Baic is getting picked over those two most of the time. Uh, but he gets on the score sheet here just uh, just a minute into the second half. And then Robinho makes it 2-1 in the 62nd minute. Uh, there was a very interesting little handball position here that was uh, conveniently ignored by the referees. I don't think it was included in the highlights either. But I did see... Uh, Uzra, I think you tweeted that one out, didn't you? Yeah. The the, the handball situation for Bashak yeah, here. Yeah, that's... That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it did look uh, pretty clear to me from when mm-hmm. I was watching because I watched that game live. Um, so it was a very questionable decision from the ref. Yeah, indeed. And when we're talking about controversial decisions and consistency, we have to apply that here too. Yeah. That was another one of those. And that's not the only one because there's other, another couple of things here in this match where a couple of those Bishakshir players were on a yellow card and a lot of those players were... Getting re- getting safe, so to speak, for the derby and starting on the bench. I think uh, Ivan Jan might have started on the bench. Quite a few, because it was like, oh, they're starting with the B team. What what's this all about? But obviously, they're saving their best. They w- don't want to get those players that are risking at a yellow card and to get a suspension against Galatasaray next week, because it's obviously the big final. Um, there's a couple of even in the in, even in the highlights you could see it, but throughout the match, and this has kind of been a thing that's been bothering me about them throughout the season. Really, a lot of those positions where you're, hey, well, that's a clear yellow card, and it's fine that a referee misses that once or twice, but if it consistently happens week in week out, where Players like Ivan John is one that jumps out to me a lot. He makes a lot of those yellow card types of falls and gets away with it a lot. Um, and and that's those that, those things add up because take for example Ajana Erkin. 
he gets booked if he looks at you wrong. And that ends up in I think he's got like eight or nine yellow cards already this season. I'm not saying yeah. it's not I'm not saying it's undeserved. That's fine. But I think when we're talking about consistency, Uzer was talking about it earlier. I think we see a lot of lack of consistency when it comes to uh, yellow cards in particular, which those suspensions add up to. Those suspensions can become important when you miss an important key player in a special in a, in a particular difficult away game or something. Those can always be decisive tr- on on the thirty four uh, schedule uh, match schedule on the season. And I, I kind of felt in this match we had that penalty position, but then we also had a couple of of falls where I was baffled at the end of the full time whistle that Bashakshir didn't get a single yellow card because there were at least three or four positions where they should have gotten a yellow, a clear yellow. Not not like, oh, it could be a yellow. No, no, that has to be a yellow. Do you, do you agree with that, Ozer? Yeah, I do. And um, I think that certain players have kind of a reputation that precedes them. We've seen that with Koresma as well. We've seen that with uh, mm-hmm. Burak Yilmaz and his diving that he's sometimes rightfully, sometimes wrongfully accused of. So I guess these these players build up a certain amount of baggage over time that they have to carry around with them. That's but, curious uh, then, because then you see a guy like Emre who you would expect to have that baggage, but he can do basically anything he wants. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Emre is an interesting player in many ways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> great player too. Yeah, great, fantastic player. Uh, without doubt the best Turkish midfielder still, even at that age. Um but, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, sometimes he gets away with it. Some, but then again, I, I think back to... I can think of a few high-profile red cards that I've seen him given, not not, um, not excluding one against Galatasaray a couple of years ago when he was at Fenerbahce. The famous uh, tongue-out response from Felipe Melo is, is what springs to mind when I think of that. But, um, yeah, going back to your, to your initial point, though, about consistency, it's not really fair for a player to be punished for having a reputation as being a foul or a tackle or whatever, if that individual circumstance didn't warrant a card. So, yeah, it's just another example of lack of consistency. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, Pat, did you happen to catch that? I think you saw that uh, that handball situation that Uzzer uh, tweeted. Uzzer, at what scoreline was that, by the way? Ooh, um, I can't say off the top of my head. I can't remember now. I feel as though I, I would have tweeted it while they were losing, though. So, Pat, what did you think of that handball? Was it a deliberate handball, or was there enough uh, to, to warrant uh, a penalty? I think this goes back, you know, all the way to uh, the beginning of this this uh, episode, where we obviously, uh, as you were talking about things going certain ways, certain games. You know, I guess one of the most frustrating things when we do talk about decisions from the referees is, you know, at times it doesn't seem to be sort of too much consistency in terms of the direction goes and you know yeah I think for me seeing that and let's say being as honest as I can remember again probably most of the time if most refs had seen that sort of on average for example they probably would have given the given the the call it just so happened that this week you know either they didn't see it or you know it was missed somehow or whatever I think that, that, that feels kind of like one of those things. If that happens in the fifth minute of at a time and it's Bashakshir who need a goal, that's going to go to VAR. That's going to go sure. to who's going to watch and that's going to get a penalty awarded. Because that's the type of... I think they've gotten penalties for less in the last five or six uh, weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, ultimately, again, it's something that 
when the season finishes and one team are champions and another team aren't. Uh, but I, I was going to say one set of fans would be angry or not, but then <laughs> I remembered who's kind of playing here. But uh, a couple <laughs> of people might be... Well, I guess it's more teams of other fans who don't want one of those teams to win would uh, be a bit more upset. But football's football, I guess. And it's interesting as well that the Bashakshir president, for the first time, I think, really spoke out after the match, and he was uh, he was saying something along the lines of, "I have full faith in uh, in in my players for next week's match, but I don't have faith in the external factors that have been plaguing Galtrai's uh, uh, matches the last uh, two please weeks." Please give me a break, Mister Chairman. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's getting involved. I mean, I don't really know why, uh, the, what the point is there. I don't think yeah. there's much pressure that he can put on the referees. Um, there's another person who could, though. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's hope he doesn't get involved let's, again. Let's, um, But, yeah, Bashakshir, get the win, turn things around, and keep the, the thriller going, because obviously both teams are on 66 points with that win for Bashakshir and the earlier win for Galatasaray. That means it's going to go down to the wire, but next week, we will. If there's a winner next week, we will know who's the champion. Because regardless of who wins next week, that team will win the league. Yeah. Because they're head to head, because they drew the first match. So if there is a winner, the only way we don't know the champion next week is if it's a draw. But if there's a winner, if it's Galtzrite, they're champions. If it's a Bashakshir, they're champions. So it's going to be a very exciting match. It's going to be a very intense match. I don't know if that's something that people are realizing yet, If that the, the title will more than likely be decided next week with still two matches to go because it's so close right now. But even though mathematically um, Galtzrite, if they would win and, and Bashakshir would lose, they could still end on, on level points. It's just the head-to-head will be in favor of whoever wins because they drew the first match. So next week... It's all online. It's going to be a super fun match, I think, to watch for the neutral. And let's hope that there's no controversy in this one. Let's hope there's not a position where, oh, the referee handed that game to this team or that team. Let's hope the best team wins next week. And that I think whoever wins that match will deserve the title. Because regardless of what we're scrutinizing here... In terms of, of, well, you know, this penalty or Bishakshi are getting those this, the favorable decisions. Galtzrai are getting those the favorable decisions. At the end of the day, you're looking at the two teams that have been most consistent throughout the season. I think Galtzrai, if you make the argument, like even Bishtesh fans, and I'm talking, uh, speaking as a Bishtesh fan, I think Bishtesh have been good in the second half of the season. And based on that, they, 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 they had that little claim to the title. But their first half of the season was so terrible. Um, that they really that that's not you have to look at the 34 34 matches as a whole and if you play such a bad first half of the season it's almost impossible that you're going to win the title at the end of the, the ride Galtzrai didn't have a great first half of the season but they were consistent uh, more consistent now in the second half of the season the first half of the season but still they've been consistent throughout the season they've never been truly really bad they've never been truly really good I think they've always operated at a, 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 a level of maybe mediocrity, because I do think that whoever wins the title this season is going to be a mediocre champion, whether that's Galtzrai or, Fener- or Bashakshir. Because I said it before, Bashakshir, 35 points first half of the season, kind of mediocre. They've had their slip-up in the last couple of weeks, which makes their second half of the season that have been very strong up until then, kind of mediocre. So, um, 
But whoever wins the title, those two teams have been the most consistent teams vying for the championship since day one until the end. And I think whoever wins it will deserve it. Uh, you know, would you gentlemen agree with that? Regardless of how you feel about Bishakshir here as a club, you have to look at the, the, the effort put in by the coach and, the, and those players who have, do, do deserve credit. There's not their fault that they play for yep. a fake club. I, I, I totally agree. I mean, uh, a few weeks ago, let's, let's say at least a month ago, before Galatasaray were really back in the race, mm-hmm. uh, we were saying uh, that listen, these guys off the pitch, they have a load of load of baggage, tons of issues, but the football that they're playing uh, deserves to be applauded. Um, yeah. You've got guys like Edin Vistia, who I still think, irrespective of who wins the league, by the way, I still think he should be the most valuable player in the league. Uh, yeah. In terms of contribution, he'll be the MVP. I think guys like Emre Belazola, who are who lead uh, on the pitch uh, in terms of his leadership for the rest of the players, in terms of his physical presence, in terms of how he's looked after himself, in terms of his ability. He's a, he's an example off the pitch, and sometimes behaviour on the pitch too is, is obviously something else. But purely in footballing terms, excellent player. They do have a really great squad. Um, so. Yeah, I, I agree with the sentiment that whoever wins will deserve it, subject to any controversy yeah. Epi- yeah. next week. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying let's hope there's no controversy. Yeah. Let's Let just hope it's the best team. Yes, exactly. yeah. yes, please, indeed. Uh, let's move over to uh, the next one, and we'll quickly gloss over it. Uh, Malatya Sport beating Erzurum Sport uh, again. Erzurum Sport in a position where they have to win. Malatya Sport with that win probably clinched themselves fifth place because they're now five points ahead anyone else. Uh, so they're more than likely going to finish in fifth. And based on their first half of the season, you could say that is deserved. Their second half of the season has been very wonky, but that go- that, that that applies for everyone. Except for Trabzonspor, Besiktas, Galatasaray, and Başakşehir, here, I think anyone has been rather wonky. Except for well, Rizespor, but they came from so far behind uh, that it was just too difficult for them. But from those teams vying for your Europe, they've been the least bad. Uh, Erzurumspor dropped three points, and yeah, doesn't really help them. Of course, obviously, it's never going to help them, but they're still in a decent position with 32 points. They with a win uh, with six points in the next two games. They could still save themselves, but I think they're kind of, kind of going to have to hope for a draw next week between Bursa and Gustepe and then finish the job themselves against against Fenerbahce and then again in the, that final match day. So they don't have it all in their own hands anymore. Both Gustepe and Bursa Sport do have that luxury that as long as they take six points, they'll be sure that they stay up. Erzurum will have to rely on those two to slip up. Uh, goals here coming from Daniel Alexic, which is one of the one of those men of the season for me. He's, he's a standout performer. Uh, even Malatya Spor, who have faded in the second half of the season, Alexic continues to be one of the players to watch. Uh, then TV Bufuma doubled the scoreline in the 62nd minute. That goal was sandwiched though by a disallowed goal by Gilles Sunu for a handball. Rashad Mohamed pulled one back in the 75th minute for the visitors Erzurum Spor, but Umer Shishmanolo sealed their fate in the 90th minute and made it 3-1 to Malatya Spor. And with that win, like I said, Erzurum Spor doesn't really change much for them. Um, their their fate is simply not no longer in their own hands, guys. And we know we're going to lose at least two of those three, Bursa, Gustepe and Erzurum. And, and at the moment, it looks 
likely that Erzurum is going to be at least one of those two that are going to drop down besides Akisar. Um, does either of you have anything to add to it or shall we just quickly move over to Monday to Besiktas against Alanya Spor? Which won't take too much time either because, again, not a too important match anymore since we're mainly looking at the relegation battle and uh, the title race. Nothing to add from my side now. No, man. Okay. So I do apologize for Erzurum and Malatya Sports supporters who are listening to this uh, that we don't spend more time on their match. But let's move over to Besiktas Alanya Spor. Um, Still kind of continues to baffle me a little bit that Alanyaspor are, are forced to play. I think they should have gotten a couple of weeks off, maybe. Although, maybe for them it's best to just get this over with uh, and, and then clear their heads and go on a couple of weeks vacation and, and hopefully the players can uh, do exactly that. But this match ends 2-1 for Besiktas. Goals here coming from Adam Leitch in the 11th minute. An own goal by Janer R. Erkin in the 44th minute. And uh, a rarity from Ricardo Quaresma from outside the box in the 55th minute. Something he used to be famous for for scoring long-range efforts. But he doesn't seem to try it too often anymore. Besiktas win this match 2-1. Um, they squandered quite a lot of chances at the end. And uh, the main things to take away here, uh, Erzur, uh, er, Alanyaspor, sorry, actually had a goal disallowed after just four minutes. Uh, I believe it was for offsides after a VAR inter. Yeah, it was offside uh, after VAR. Uh, well, was in contact there with the referee. Um, what has to be said, I think the body language of most of the Besiktas players, I think a couple of them, Laich was still giving 100% and, and that's something that's to be commended. But I think, for example, Burak Yilmaz, uh, very instrumental in that first goal, but throughout the match I think he was playing a little bit more his 1v1 versus Tavelas. He seemed to be in, in, in the Greek's back pocket for most of the match, struggled a little bit, didn't seem as hungry as he had been in previous weeks to get on the score sheet. There was one uh, moment in particular that jumped out to me where Adam Leic was on a... They were on a counter. Leic was uh, basically... Uh, face-to-face -face with three defenders. Burak was with him, and instead of going deep, Burak decided to drop, drop off, and that seemed just kind of... That kind of told the match for me at the time. I thought, oh, does he have an injury or something? Why isn't he going deep? Because it's usually the thing that Burak would do in that sort of situation. But it kind of felt like he wasn't 100% motivated. Maybe he didn't want to be too engaged in the match because he wants to play next week against Trabzonspor and didn't want to risk getting a yellow card. You also saw that in those one-on-one -on -one battles with Savelas, he was having to control himself and, and to not lash out in order to not get booked. Uh, so he was trying to keep uh, his temper in check, I think. But uh, Tzavelas really did, had a good game against him. Uh, ultimately, Besiktas uh, wasted a lot of chances. Uh, Alanya Spor also got a couple of half chances. At the end of the day, it's 2-1 to one for Besiktas. Uh, they, like we said before, third place seems safe for them. Second place seems out of the question for them. Uh, their season is kind of over at this point. It looks like two more matches, but... Uh, I think they'll, the players especially will be wanting to move on to next season. And the more important news is not coming out of this match. It's coming off the pitch. Uh, Fikret Oman re-elected for four more years as Besiktas president. He didn't really have any serious opposition in yesterday's election. So that was to be expected. Um, but one thing I do want to point out. I have from a very good reliable source of mine. Um, who is close to Mircea Lucescu. That Lucescu will... Uh, there's a big chance. What what was? Let me just quickly check his words exactly. Um, what his words were. 
But uh, Mircea Lucescu will more than likely be Besiktas' next coach uh, for next season. Let me see the words. Very close were the words. Uh, and I have been in contact with this person for a couple of weeks about this. Uh, and then he has his ear on the ground and it's very reliable. And it looks uh, that the former Turkey, former former Besiktas and former Galatasaray coach will reprise his role as Besiktas coach for the next season, maybe two. Uh, obviously, I think it's going to be more of a transitional thing uh, as Besiktas are also kind of in a difficult position. And I don't know what your thoughts are on that, guys. Quickly, briefly, just a couple of minutes, going to get your thoughts on it. Azar, you first. Uh, Is Luchescu the right choice for Besiktas? Well, he, he knows the club. He knows the fans. Uh, he comes from a lot of success um, from his club club career, of course. I think he was mm-hmm. a colossal flop as Turkey coach. I think not only did he get bad results, but his heart just never seemed to be in it. And, mm-hmm. I, and I could never tell if that was because he was coaching a national team and he didn't have regular football or or he'd just given up the football altogether. So his time at Besiktas will will illustrate which of those was the case. Um, he might define the end of his career, so to speak. Pretty much, pretty much. And to be honest, if he comes in as a transitional uh, period, if you mean that in insofar as he's going to come just for a couple of years and then retire, yeah. then... I don't necessarily think that's a good uh, good appointment for Bishop Dush because he won't take the job as seriously as someone who's looking to kickstart or develop their career. Yeah, Pat, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's always a risk with um, you know, let's say veteran managers, elder, mm. yeah, elder yeah. statesmen, or whatever you want to call them. Because <laughs> um, you know, I think there are a lot of uh, younger, let's say, managers who um, you know who've done the time at the. Uh, Anatolia clubs who are in a position maybe to to try and you know um, what's it apply their trade in one of the, the bigger clubs um, but you know, also, you know Turkish football obviously can sometimes have um, provide long careers for some managers but you know month long 10 years for, for others and it might be that he's you know he's out the door uh, before we know it or he's there you know he's doing a, a terim and he's there for a few seasons yeah, I mean, yeah, Terim, of course, he's 10 years younger, so uh, it's still a little bit of a different situation. Um, um, but by the way, I, uh, I I wouldn't be so quick to write Beshik Dash off from second place, because if Galatasaray win on Sunday, then and Beshik Dash, assuming win as well, there'll only be a point between it leading into the last game. So Beshik could be demoralized after losing out in the title, so anything could yeah. still happen. Probably counts for both, but I, I, I don't know if Vistas are going to win against Trabzon. Honestly. Yeah, that, that's I think, the thing. Uh, I think because of what I saw today is I think it would you know Vistas at least gotten a point last week and and the dream would still be kind of alive. They still had something to play for. Uh, I think that that would put that in a different dimension that match. Uh, but now I think you're going to have a very motivated Trabzon sport who, like I said, are still playing with a lot of of, of, of joy and and they just want to finish the season on a high note. And I think for Bishtis, it's kind of like they kind of checked out already. I, I I don't know if from what I saw today, I saw some enthusiasm from some players, like I said, like Adam Lage, mm. but. Yeah. Uh, it's going to require a, a, a motivated Burak Yilmaz and, uh, and, and such, uh, and just players sure. playing 100% attention. There was some lapses of concentration today as well with poor back passes and stuff like that. So that, that usually doesn't bode too well. Uh, but just quickly about Luchescu, the reason why I think it's, it's a, a, at least a decent decision is I think the club is in a position right now where giving the reins to a young manager is going to be detrimental for that person. I think you're setting that person up 
uh, to fail. I think that the situation is just too difficult with, with, with players not getting properly paid all the time, with uh, transfer budget being small. What's going to be the team next season? I mean, Adam Leitch is a lone player. Is he going to be retained? I mean, he's so important for the team, but are they even going to be able to retain him? Uh, Shinji Kagawa is a lone player. Obviously, he's not been made that important now, but he's a player that should be very important for the team, and I'm co- confident that whoever comes in next and who ha- doesn't seem to have that bias uh, for other players or against certain players. Uh, when, when, when Shino Gunish is gone, that's going to open new perspectives, especially for a guy like Hagawa, and I think we all agree that that's a quality player that you should probably still be building around, despite the fact that he's already 30 years old. I think he can still go for many years, or I mean, many years, I mean like three, four years at a, at a, at a high level. Um, I think with that in mind, it's it's... You don't really know what's going to be Bishlesh next season. Yes, you know Burak Yilmaz is still going to be there, but the Burak Yilmaz without a, a Leic to feed him, without a Kagawa to feed him, with, with Kwarejma probably leaving, he probably should leave, but, you know. And then the wing situation. Bishlesh are, are a question mark still for next season. I think it's tough to bring in a young coach. Let's say you give Guti the reins, and then you don't really give him a proper squad to compete with. Um, a young coach... It's very difficult for them. I think you're setting them up for failure. And if they don't fail, great. But the chances of them failing are a lot bigger. A, pl- a coach with a lot of experience like Luchescu, look, if he fails, too bad. But his his legacy is, is already there. His career has been made. I think he's a lot less uh, afraid to fail than, uh, than, for example, a Guti or a Sergen or whoever. And that could be detrimental for those young guys' careers just purely from that point. Look, if Bishlesh were in a better position as a club, I would I would wholeheartedly say, look, it's, it's time to move forward as a club. We need to get a coach that can be our coach for the long run. Um, then I would want a younger person. But I think for now, I think a transitional coach is probably the way to go. Um, not saying that Bistich cannot compete next season, that, that it completely depends on how that squad ends up uh, shaping up, just like it does for Trabzonsport, just like it does for for uh, for, for Fenerbahce. And uh, yeah, Bishakshir too, they might be going through a transitional summer n- this, this coming uh, these coming few months, because look at the, the average age of their team. Um, but I think that's going to do it for this week. We we've, we spent a lot of time on Kaltsarai, we spent a little bit of time on the rest Um but it, it, it we gave the people what they want. <laughs> Indeed, well, people really seem to enjoy our uh, our, our debate last week. So mm. let's just quickly look at the bottom and the top of the table before we uh, close down the episode. But at the bottom, the top of the table, we already said it earlier: sixty-six points, leaders, co-leaders right now, Galtzray and Bashakshir. Obviously, Galtzray have the battle goal, di- better goal differential, but that would, will only come into play should next week end on a draw. Uh, if there's a winner next week, regardless of who it is, Galtzray or Bashakshir, that team will be crowned the two thousand. 2018-2019 Turkish Super League champions. Besiktas are in third place with 62 points, four points behind be, behind the joint leaders, and then we have a five-point drop off to Trabzonspor, who are on 57 points. So even if Besiktas lose next week against Trabzonspor, um, they can still 
secure their third spot if they win their last match. Obviously, they would have to win because if they draw and Trabzonspor win, then they would end on level points and Trabzonspor will take it on head-to-head. -head. So Bishtesh still aren't out of the woods yet for third place, but they still have a slight chance for second place too, as Uzer already pointed to. Then let's uh, drop down quickly to uh, 10th place. There we have Fenerbahce. I'm just mentioning that quickly because they've been at the bottom of the table for so long this season, but as Pat pointed oh, out, God, they're, they're slowly climbing into the left side of the column so just one more spot and then they're on the left side of the column getting closer they're on 40 points right now level <laughs> points with chaiku Rizespor and uh kaiseri sport now let's move down to the bottom of the table where it's truly interesting we have three teams still vying to stay in it and that's bursa sport and gustepe and erzurum sport gustepe on 34 points bursa on 33 and erzurum on 32 so those next two matches will be deciding if gustepe win then bursa sport are relegated next week but of course it is in bursa so we will see. Next week, the two big matches to watch are, of course, Galatasaray Başakşehir here and Bursa Spor Göztepe. But there's also Trabzonspor Besiktas, which will be interesting. And Fenerbahce, er Erzurum Spor Fenerbahce, sorry. It'll be in Erzurum. So those are the big matches to look forward to for next week for match day 33 of the Turks Turkish Super League. Uh, I think I'll do it for this week, guys. Uh, got a lot of editing to do here because we had some technical difficulties, unfortunately. But I want to thank both of you. And I want to thank the listeners, of course, for listening. And I hope they'll be back next week for what will probably be the conclusive match day for a lot of things, both at the top and the bottom at the Super League, guys. Uzar, thank you. And Pat, thank you very much for uh, jumping in and uh, subbing thank in you. from Burak. Thank Any you very time. much, guys. Okay, well, we know it. this wasn't the funniest episode this week, but hopefully you got a laugh out of uh, us uh, uh, fighting a little bit. And, uh, no, no hard feelings, of course. No, guys. no, no, we love each other. Uh, yeah. For those of you who are listening, if you if you feel aggravated, feel free to shoot us <laughs> on Twitter or you know that email address I mentioned earlier. Oh yeah.